Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our atrium. And also I'd like to welcome those watching online and on demand. It's, it's Christmas Eve and we're here to celebrate Jesus Christ. I know that many of you are here for different reasons. Some of you are here with your family members. Maybe a friend invited you. But for whatever reason, I am just so honored and thankful that you're here. You know, Christmas at Stevens Creek has become a tradition for so many families. And traditions are those things like you look at the calendar and you look at a date, and you kind of circle a date and you say, this date's important. And so uh, we're going to do this. We're going to be there. And, and this is how you pass values down to uh, down to your, the next generation. Well, there's a lot of, I guess the biggest tradition of Christmas, the Christmas season, like we've said, is giving gifts. Did you hear about the, the son that wanted to uh, give his mother a special gift and he had become quite wealthy and so he went all over town looking for that, just that perfect gift. He ended up in a pet store and there in that pet store, he saw a talking bird. Yes, a talking bird. This bird could whistle we wish you a Merry Christmas. This bird could sing Silent Night. He said, I've got to have that bird for my mom. And how much is it? He said, well, it's a lot of money. It's $30,000. $30,000. Well, she's worth it. He paid the money. They shipped the bird to the mom. On Christmas Day, he was excited. He called her up and said, Merry Christmas, Mom. How did you like the bird I sent you? She said, oh, son, it was so delicious. You know, it's always a challenge to find the right gift for, for someone. Last week, I was at Sam's Club, and I was kind of going down the aisles, thinking about the people I need to buy from, uh, buy for, and I, I saw these blankets, and I thought, man, those are pretty nice blankets. You know, I think I'll, I'll, I'll get that. In fact, and I started thinking about the people that could use a blanket like that, and so I just started putting it in the cart, you know, going down my list, checking it off, and then I went through the cash register, and then I went out in the parking lot, and this is what my cart looked like. <laughs> People turned their head, for sure, but then I had to put it in my car, and then I barely got it in the car, but I did, I did make it. I'm driving down the road, and I'm thinking like, man, I, I just crushed Christmas. I mean, just at one, at one stop, just check, check, check. Got it done, but then I thought, you know what? It's probably not as personal as maybe I would like for it to be, and maybe people won't appreciate it, and I think, what can I do to make it special? And I thought, you know what? When I wrap up with a blanket, I like a little thing of ice cream, so maybe I'll just get them a carton of ice cream with that. And so not just any ice cream. I wanted chocolate cookie quarry ice cream, Publix ice cream, frozen yogurt, and so I, I called Publix and I said, hey, I, I need to buy some um, frozen yogurt, uh, chocolate cookie corn. Do you have any? Well, I mean, I just need 28 cartons. And um, they said, well, we've got good news. We've got it. And, uh, but you've got to go over four stores to get it. And so I made my rounds. And my, my last stop was in the Publix in Aiken and, and had 10 uh, cartons of ice cream uh, in my cart. And people were saying, like, uh, it looks like you're going to have a good Christmas 
But I'll tell you, uh, people appreciate ice cream. And so I got several thank yous, got a text, you know, Marty, this has been amazing. In fact, somebody even, I want them sent a picture of eating the ice cream. <laughs> yes, Pastor Dave loves that ice cream. He said, in fact, they ate it all up, and the next day went and got another one. That's my kind. You know, there's always a challenge, a challenge to find the right gift. Can you imagine how that would be? Uh, especially if you're buying something for the person that has everything. You know, that's a challenge. Can you imagine what the uh, wise men felt like, the pressure they felt like to buy a gift for the one who literally has everything, the one who owns it all? Well, today we want to talk about, we're going to talk about the nativity as we go behind the scenes in Bethlehem and we look at the nativity and we try to understand what it means to us as individuals and understand what it means to us this Christmas. You know, my wife Patty loves uh, the Christmas season. She loves to decorate. And one of her favorite things are nativity scenes. And if you go to our house, in fact, uh, day before yesterday, I just went through the house and I counted. We have seven nativity scenes in our house. And that's just what I saw. And she may have some hidden other places. But, you know, you look at those nativity scenes and, and everybody looks so happy. I mean, Mo, uh, Joseph and Mary, I mean, they look peaceful and they are calm. I mean, the shepherds, they're calm. I mean, even the wise men, even the sheep and the cattle, they look like they're having a good time. I mean, everything is peaceful. It's almost peaceful. It's almost when you look at that nativity, you can hear the music playing, what we just sang, silent night, oh, holy night. And, and it is, everything is just special. And it's like that we take those songs that we sing and re, we romanticize Christmas to be something really it wasn't. Because what we forget sometimes is that Mary and Joseph were real people. And she was pregnant. And she was in the last days of her pregnancy when they had to leave their hometown and had to go to Bethlehem because they had to register because it was tax season. And to get from Nazareth over to Bethlehem, it's like 70 miles. And, and it's not like they had paved roads. It's not like they had... a. Uh, uh, a, a car with a heater. They had to go over rough terrain. They make it to Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is packed with people. And Bethlehem's normally a, a small town. In fact, on a normal day, there's really more sheep and goats than there are people in Bethlehem. But this was not a normal day. I mean, this was tax season. People were everywhere. They couldn't find any place to stay. They finally went to one inn, uh, and the innkeeper said, I don't have a room for you, but you can stay in the stable out back. Now, the stable in the backyard of this hotel was not like the one you bought at Walmart this year. In fact, it was probably it was, uh, hewn out of the side of a, uh, a hill. It was like a little cave, and it was not really big. It was probably big enough for a few animals. If you look at it, it really wasn't safe. It really wasn't sanitary, but it was a place to stay. And here we see Joseph and Mary in a very most, one of the most strange, uh, stressful seasons of their lives. And then in that moment, Jesus is born. Jesus is born. A star appears in the sky over the stable. The shepherds come from the fields. The angels fill the heavens and start to sing glory to God in the highest. 
the nativity is set. But there's something missing. Because when I look at the nativity, I see the wise men. Where are the wise men? Where are the wise men? These, these guys missed that first Christmas. They were late for Christmas. You know, I've often heard, you know, if the wise men would have been women, it would have been totally different. <laughs> because if the wise men would have been women, they would have stopped and asked for directions and they wouldn't have been late for Christmas. If the wise men would have been women, they'd have got there early and cleaned up so Jesus wouldn't have to be born in a barn. And they would have brought practical gifts, like a casserole, so the Holy Family would have something to eat. But they were not women, they were men, and they were late to the party. So we open up the book uh, of Matthew, and we turn to chapter 2, and we're going to look at the story of Christmas through the eyes of the wise men or the magi. Now, I realize that a lot of us are at different places in our spiritual journey, and some of you are here is just as a part of a holiday event. But I want to tell you that the story that I'm going to read today is coming from God's Word, the Bible. And it's more than a fable, and it's more than just a holiday story. But you can trace this back even to the earliest uh, manuscripts. They have found uh, pieces of manuscripts that date back to the second century. And so just understand that this, we believe, is the story of Jesus, and it's significant. So we pick it up in Matthew chapter 2. It said, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east. And we have come to worship him. Now, the word magi or wise men uh, really refers to a special group of men uh, that would date back even to the 7th century BC. And these men were especially trained in astrology and astronomy. And they were so wise that in the East that you really couldn't move ahead in politics or become a king unless you understood or had the knowledge of the Magi. In those days, the Magi were actually kingmakers, so it's only apropos that they would be coming to uh, see the king of kings. In the original language, we see um, that they came to Jerusalem and they were asking now, if you look in the original language, that word ask um, actually means they kept on asking. It was like they were going place to place. Have you seen him? Where's the king? Where's the baby that has been born the king of the Jews? They were going around until they found somebody that knew where Jesus was. We drop down a few verses. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found them out and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. He said, go and make a careful search. Make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report it to me so that I may too go and that I can worship him. And so what we see in this story is these magi, these wise men, they were seekers and the amazing thing to me is, and I think this just hit me this week in studying this, 
is that these men were not even Jewish. These men were not a part of a, a chosen race or the chosen people. These men were not Jewish, yet God led them to the Messiah. And what I see in that is God reveals himself to the people who are looking for him, the people who are searching for him. We have a number of Magi-like people in this auditorium, in our South Campus, in our atrium today. You've come here and uh, you, from the world standard, you have it all together. You have good education and you have good jobs and you have a beautiful family. You, you have all the trappings of great success. But there's something missing on the inside. You've checked all the boxes of what society has told you that you need to do and be to be a successful person, but there's a void inside of you. And you've worked really hard to try to fill that void, and you've tried to fill that void with, with uh, sports and entertainment, and with maybe with power and pleasure and fame and for all those things that the world says is important, but there's still that emptiness. In fact, Pascal says that it's really a God-shaped void, a God-shaped longing that can only be filled and satisfied with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet you know that intellectually, but there's something inside of it that you haven't embraced that and received it and made it uh, a part of your life. I've got good news if you will start seeking and start searching, you will find what you're looking for. In fact, this is the message of Jeremiah 29 and 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I think the amazing promise is God says to you, you will find me. And when you find him, you'll discover, I believe, your purpose. You'll discover the very reason that you've been placed on this earth. You'll discover that God has a plan for your life. And I'm sure that at this point you're thinking, okay, I'm interested. If God has a plan for my life, I want to know how do I find out, how do I discover that plan? It all begins with a, a relationship with Jesus. It, it begins by putting your priorities in order, by putting God first in your life. In fact, that's the point, that, that we put God first in your life, and then when we do that, he will fill the void, and I believe he'll show you which way to go. It's about putting God first. Because when we fail to do that, and we put ourselves on the throne of our lives, we find ourselves groping around in darkness when God is saying that he wants to come with the light and with the light he will dispel the darkness of your life he's going to give us the light well how do we embrace the light how do we receive the light well it's a step of faith it's where we step out and we trust him we believe him you know, in Psalm, it said this, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light. Your word is a light to my path. You see, a lamp implies that you have just enough light to see in front of you. God wants to give you the light, but I'll tell you, he's not going to show you 
what's going to happen 50 years from now. It's kind of like driving tonight in your car. You're going to turn on your headlights, and your headlights will give you the ability. Maybe you can see about 100 feet in front of you, maybe a little bit more than that, but not much more than that. You can't see 50 miles down the road. But if you stay in your lane and you keep moving toward that, you will eventually see what is 50 miles down the road. When we step out in faith, God will give us the direction that we need for our next step. But we have to come to the place where we're willing to trust him with our lives. And then he'll give us the next step. It's the daily walk. It's the daily bread that we've heard about, that daily walk. The wise men followed a star. They were following the light. All of us, we need the light of Jesus in it because, look, we live in a dark world. And and we have experienced our own season of darkness I mean, all of us have been through the fire before. We've been through dark periods. And maybe some of you are in a dark place now. Maybe you've suffered a loss, or maybe there's a sickness or a disease. Maybe there's been a divorce. Maybe there's been a child that has gone wayward. That all of us have been in a place where uh, we have been through a season of darkness. But I just want to encourage you to open up your heart to God tonight. Because I believe that he'll shine his light into your world. But there are times that you will have to go through the dark periods, the desert, before you get to the promised land. And the reason he allows you to go through those tough times is he is teaching you what it means to trust him. He is teaching, uh, he is preparing you. He is growing you up. Here's the point. God is not asking you to figure it all out. He's just asking you to trust him, to trust him, to follow his promptings, just like the Magi. They followed those promptings. They followed the star. They stepped out in faith, and they found, as a result of stepping out in faith, they eventually found what they were looking for. We drop down to the next verse. Now, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them. Went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Let me just stop for a minute. I said earlier that uh, when I look at the nativity scenes in our house, we see the shepherds and we see the wise men, the angel, the, the star, all of that. But this verse right here says that just maybe it happened differently than we've been told. Just maybe. I mean, if you notice this, he says, when they got to the house, Jesus is no longer in the stable. When the wise men got there, they got to the house. Also, they said, and we saw the child. Jesus is no longer a baby in the manger, but he is now a child. Could be a year, maybe two-year-old toddler. It's just something to think about. I'm, I'm, not, 
I just thought that was interesting when we look at the whole nativity. But on coming to the house, they saw this child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. When they recognized that this child, this baby was Jesus, they did what was natural to them. They bowed down and worshipped him. I believe there will come a day when all of us, when we stand in the presence of Jesus and we see him face to face, our natural response will be just like these wise men, just like the Magi. We will fall down and we will bow down and we will worship him. For this is what Romans says. Um, as surely as it says that every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. These wise men came in and they worshiped. They humbled themselves. Worship. We use that word a lot. Sometimes we use that word to describe a church service. Oh, I'm going to worship over at Stevens Creek Church. And we do that. But worship is more than just an event. It's a lifestyle. Because you see, God loves you, and he wants you to love him back. When you love him back, that is worship. And so in a practical way, Worship is giving God the best that he has given you. Worship is not just taking in, but worship is giving back. And so the wise men came and they gave back. They opened up their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When you think about it, these guys had thought about their gifts they didn't show up in Bethlehem and say, oh, my, we got to stop by Walmart and got to pick up a gift for the baby because I just forgot it. We're so busy leaving the house, I forgot to get a gift. Let's just run into Walmart real quick and get a... It was not like that at all. They planned what they wanted to give to the Christ child. They thought about it. Do you ever think about what you want to give? Do you ever think about what kind of offering you want to give? They thought about that. Their gifts meant something. It is more than just three gifts that will sit on a, a shelf somewhere, but they were using these gifts as a way to describe the life this child was going to have. The first one gave them gold. Now, gold is a symbol of royalty. And in essence, when he presented the gold to the Christ child, he says, you, will, you are the king in fact, the Bible says he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And so they came and worshiped him, and they recognized his kingship, that he is the king. The next one steps up and gave him frankincense. Now, why would you give a baby frankincense? Because this is a gift that you would normally give to a priest. Because the priest would use that in the sacrifice of the temple. Now, what's the job of a priest? The priest would open the door for you to get to God. And in giving Jesus this gift of frankincense, no longer do we have to go to another human, but we can go straight to God that Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the one that intercedes for us, intercedes on our behalf. And the third one stepped up and gave myrrh and said, why would you give a baby myrrh? Because you see, in those days, myrrh was used to deaden pain. Myrrh was used to embalm the dead. 
And so in doing so, this Magi was saying to them that this represents your life of sacrifice. That yes, you will suffer and you will die on the cross and that you will become the savior of mankind. And so they presented the gifts in worship. We go to the last verse. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It's kind of interesting. They, they went home a different way. Oftentimes when we are in the presence of Jesus, we're so changed and touched that we can't live life like we've always lived it. We recognize that we've got to turn. We've got to go in a different direction. Jesus came on that first Christmas, and his light dispelled the darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world, but he's not only the light of the world, but he is the light of your world. He can be the light of your world and mine. I look back over my life, and I think about some of the darkest moments of my life. I think about the times where I have fallen into sin and, and uh and the darkness and how that feels. I think about the, the dark times or when Patty and I started off living truly in poverty where we lived with government-subsidized housing and we lived on food stamps. It were tough times. I think about the, the darkness of, of uh, being betrayed or disappointed. I think about the dark seasons of our lives. When we're standing over a a casket and we're looking into a casket and seeing our baby in that casket. And I think about all those dark moments. What do all those dark moments have in common? That there is a hope that's present in all of them. That there is a light that's present in all of them. That Jesus was right there with us. And the light of his presence is greater than the darkness that we were in. And Jesus has been there for me. I believe he'll be there for you too. But you've got to open your heart to him. I believe that, that he will be there for you even though you may not feel it. He'll be there for you, even though you may not know what to say or what to pray. Even though you may be the one that you've kind of pushed him away and, and you've distanced yourself from uh, God in the church. But yet he's there. Perhaps this Christmas is a season of darkness for you. And you're here today. And the one thing that I can tell you is that the message of Christmas is a message of hope. Hope simply means that there's a better day coming. And I know that you're wondering, are we ever gonna get through this pandemic? Are we ever gonna see this division in our culture change? Are we ever going to see the pain that we're suffering through be healed? Yes, we are. The good news is that Jesus is bigger 
than all of your, uh, your biggest pain, and he's stronger than your biggest doubt, and that his light is more powerful than the darkness that is attacking you. And there is hope. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. That's the story of Christmas through the eyes of the Magi. And I just wanna say that I personally believe that you're not here by accident. You're not sitting in our atrium, you're not uh, at our South Campus by accident. That just as God guided the wise men to Bethlehem to find Christ, God has guided you to Stevens Creek Church to find Jesus. That this is your moment. You don't have to continue wandering around, searching, longing to fill the void in your life. Jesus is here. And he is saying to you, come. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've been good or bad or naughty or nice. Jesus says to you, come. Come just as you are. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray over you. And I want to lead you to a new path. The Bible calls it the paths of righteousness the paths where Jesus is your leader and the Lord of your life. And I realize that this is new information for so many of you, but I do want you to hear this. And and I, I not only want you to hear this, I want you to open your life, open your heart up and to say, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Because let's face it, some of you've come in and with a lot of doubts and rightly so, but if, if you'll just take, if you'll just pray, maybe for the next 30 days, just pray that prayer. God, if you're real, okay, make yourself real to me. And just as the star led the Magi to Jesus, I believe your simple prayer, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me, that kind of prayer will lead you to Jesus. But there's another group of people here tonight, today that you're ready You've heard the message of Christmas. You understand it. You understand that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world, and you want to be saved. You're ready to take that step. You're ready to make Jesus the leader of your life. Today is your day. Today is your day. Today is your day that where you declare Jesus is your Lord. Now, I'm going to pray over you. And to do that, why don't we just bow our heads and just close our eyes with no one looking around. I'll ask you a question. How many of you would say, Marty, you're talking to me. And if you could just quickly slip up your hand just so that I can see who I am going to be praying for and say, I want to be saved today. I want to be saved. Let me see your hands across this room. Yes, sir, all across this room. I want to be saved today. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus today. Just slip up your hand real quickly. Yes. Yes, I see it. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the people in this room, and specifically, I pray for those that are 
making a decision to follow Jesus. God, I pray for those in our South Campus right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me. Say that. Say, forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. I receive this gift of forgiveness in your name. Now, fathers, they pray that prayer. I ask that you would do as only you can do, that you would bring salvation to their lives. I pray not only for them, I pray for those that are rededicating their lives. I also pray for the families here. God, people have gathered here to celebrate Christmas. And as they're gathering, Lord, there's a lot of things going on. I pray that you would speak peace over this time that the family is gathering together. God, I pray that you would speak comfort, especially to those that have an empty seat around the table this year. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us and that you would fill us with joy and peace. And we pray this with sincerity, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.